a giant country filled with people. Come for the Taj, stay for the curry. But whatever you do, don't drink the water. Find out more on today's episode of The Travel Agents. We're the travel agents coming to you with tips, tricks, interviews, and voyages by cruise. The Travel Agents bringing you the latest travel news. Namaste. I'm Brian. And I'm Will. We're your hosts for the Travel Agents podcast. Will, I went to India. Yeah, I'm really excited to hear about this. Uh, man, uh, just seen so many things about India through Bollywood. And uh, yeah, oh I don't my, know much, so I'm ready to hear about it. My goodness, I had no idea what I was getting in for. I I went there totally ignorant of all things India. And I came back with kind of like, I think my mind exploded bloated a few times and I loved it. I cannot wait to go back. India's huge. I only did a small portion of it. Yeah. But I did I, I would say a pretty crucial portion. Sure. Uh but I was more I would say in the north. Yeah, definitely in the definitely north. Definitely the north. Really yeah. eager to check out the south as well. But I would tell you as as a guy who I'm not crazy about spicy foods. Will, you are. I think you would have loved it for that aspect. I do love Indian food. Indian food was fantastic. I quickly learned that tikka masala, chicken tikka masala is really a Western thing. Oh, is it really? Wow. Yeah, I think the story was some guy in London who was like, when I don't don't quite know how the, I don't know, um, when Indians started coming to London, he poured like tomato sauce on curry to make it palatable for UK beef citizens. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> yeah, chicken tikka masala. But uh the food was outstanding. Uh there's so much history and culture, and I'm not even gonna scratch the surface. So I'm gonna let you know if you are like an avid India traveler or you've been multiple times, you will probably be cringing at my feedback from today's episode, <laughs> but just hang in there. I'm kind of, we're just given the uh, overall view of a first timers trip to India and here to help us today is my buddy Gaurav. Gaurav, what's up, man? Hey, Brian, how you doing? I'm doing super good. It's great to have you. Um, tell us a bit about yourself. Why are you here and what's your history with India? Yeah, definitely. So I'm uh, Gaurav, like Brian said, and about 29 years old, living in Akron, Ohio. And I'm here because uh, I've traveled to India a bunch of times, um, probably about eight or nine times in my life, and I have a little bit of a history there. And yeah, India is great. I uh, love going there. Can't wait for my next trip and uh, excited to uh, share my thoughts and feelings about it. Do you have family still over there? Yeah, definitely. So my mom and dad are both from India, and um, I visit both of them and their families in India. So my mom's family lives in Delhi, and then my dad's family lives in Punjab. So So very different than over here. India is full of languages. You have... Do you have a guess of how about how many languages? Yeah, I think uh, I've heard somewhere it's somewhere between twenty six and thirty different languages and wow. dialects. And yeah, that's crazy. And so, how about you? What uh, like what what does your mom speak? What does your dad speak? What all do you speak? Yeah, so my mom speaks Hindi. Uh, my dad speaks Punjabi, and they can speak each other's languages too. And I can speak both of those languages as well. It was very cool. So you are trilingual. 
Yes, I am trilingual. Oh, do you notice similarities between Punjabi as well as Hindi, or are they totally separate languages? So Punjabi, um, it's uh, it's definitely its own language for sure. It um, actually um, it mixes a lot with Urdu, which is a Pakistani language. Ah. So those are similar, just because those uh, regions border each other, Punjab and Pakistan, and then. Uh, Hindi is kind of its own language for sure. And that's a language that most uh, Indians can speak. Yeah. And before we get into this, I'm just curious, do you have a favorite Indian dish, uh, any sort of food that you just crave your mom to cook for you or something? Yeah. I love uh, mutter paneer, which is um, peas and paneer and this uh, nice uh, tomatoey gravy, creamy gravy. And I... Mm. Yeah, do you, actually, that sounds probably, so good. Yeah, I want to eat it right now. Do you like <laughs> the Indian food here in America, or do you crave what you get over there? Like, is that a, do you notice a difference? So, I think Indian restaurant food is similar in both India and America. But yeah. what I love about Indian food in India is the Indian street food and just more of the uh, foods that local vendors um, yeah. sell on the street. That yeah. food has its own flair, and it's just really right. truly India. Right. That's cool. I know. I was. Um, I was terrified to travel to India just by myself, just to, if I were to just arrive and kind of do my own thing, I just don't feel comfortable with that for a country like India. Maybe some of our listeners would agree. Maybe some would disagree. So when you hear me talk, please know that my view of my trip to India is coming definitely from a tourist's view. I was with a small group tour company called G Adventures, which I'm going to tell you more about and why I like this company. They're one of my favorite tour companies um, in existence today. When Garav talks, this will be a unique perspective because he's not going to hire a tour guide or go with a tour company. You are game to just kind of handle yourself with language and transportation and accommodations. Yeah, it's uh, it's actually... um really exciting for me to just get dropped into India right into Delhi airport. And I just know how to get to my aunt's house and I don't even have to, <laughs> you know, think about it, you know, just pull up Google maps, hire a cab, talk to them in Hindi and yeah, it just gets me there. So yeah, that's super cool. I love it. So I want to get into the trip. Um, personally, I went to India December of 2019. My trip was called the golden triangle and I did go with the company G adventures. Don't worry. You'll hear me talk much about them in this podcast, but, um, I did fly in and out of, uh, Delhi airport from Delhi. You do make a triangle going Southeast. So I went to Agra, A-G-R-A is how you spell Agra, and that's where the Taj Mahal is. And so that's going to be, that's really going to be key, and uh, you'll see why later. From there, when you're cutting back west, we made a stop overnight in a a village called Dula Village, D-H-U-L-A Village. That was a highlight for me, so I'm really excited to talk to you about getting to stay in a small village for a night and just how impactful that was for me. Finished off the trip in Jaipur, which I believe is in Rajasthan. We, we, yeah, yeah, yeah correct. Yeah. And then back to Delhi for the flight home. So let me tell you a little bit about G Adventures and what makes them unique. So this is a small group adventure touring company. In general, wh- why I like their trips is that the size of the group is capped at 16 people. Usually they have between 12 and 16 people per 
tour group. And uh, I think we had 14 on my trip. Um, what's interesting about this is, hey, if you're a single traveler, traveler like me, you know that you totally get chipped every time you want to join a tour group because they make you pay extra for your room. Right. What G Adventures does is they say, hey, you get to pay the double price and we'll match you up with another single traveler of the same sex. That's really cool. Yeah. If you hit the jackpot here, if they don't have another single traveler of the same sex, you don't pay extra. You pay that lower double price. And then when you arrive, they're like, well, we don't have a roommate for you, dude. So enjoy your own room. So that's what happened to me. Nice. 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 Yeah. And so G Adventures is what makes them special is they're all about sustainable tourism. Have we talked about this much on this podcast? Sustainable tourism? We have not. Go ahead and touch up on it. I like how they're going to, they're not going to use hotels that you've heard of. They're not going to use big name brands. They're going to use local brands to support the local, local families who run them. They're going to, they're not going to take you to TGI Fridays or McDonald's. They're going to take you to restaurants, um, that are locally owned. Uh, yeah. And locally kind of owned as well. And in India, I'm excited to tell you, I, I really want to do a quick shout out here for like with the restaurants, they took us to a restaurant called Shiro's. Shiro's is a restaurant that is fully uh, operated by women in India who have been like burned in their flesh or mutilated. Uh, I would say yeah. it was, I think all of them had been burned or mutilated by a past lover, husband, boyfriend, whatever. Oh. So it was, um, I, I mean, it was, it was awesome to be able to support them and to see the excitement when you walked in of these ladies. Wow. Um, yeah, that's really I mean, cool. it was like, I felt like I was getting riled up and they're like, yeah, I want to support you more. Like who else can I send yeah. here? This is, everyone should know about this place. You know, their food was delicious and I felt so bad because their flesh was so burned. Like, first second third third degree is the highest right right so oh my gosh it was just uh it was kind of like um gut-wrenching to see so that was shiro's check that out for sure that's really cool that g adventures you know Mm -hmm. did something like that Mm -hmm. so you don't yeah you don't get that in a lot of tourism tourism companies yeah yeah and then the last thing i'll say about um sustainable tourism is when it comes to transportation so one pretty cool thing is um when you arrive in delhi airport Garb, as you know, it's quite overwhelming, especially if you've never been there. Yeah. <laughs> a giant airport, ton of people. Um, try to hang in there. Don't don't freak out. Don't panic. Just just look forward and keep walking. Find yep. your bag. And yep. then when you exit that airport, what's beautiful about G Adventures is they've hired uh, um, they've hired women who come from very unfortunate backgrounds to be your um, greeter at the airport and drive you to your hotel. It's called Women on Wheels, and it's a program they started. And so uh, I will say two young ladies were waiting for me at the New Delhi airport with a sign with my name on it. They took me to their taxi uh, car. I think it was like a Volkswagen or something and uh, drove me to my hotel. Phenomenal driver. Uh, And so here's just a little tidbit about uh, the Women on Wheels program and one of their drivers named Neha, N-E-H-A. Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, Neha? Neha, who was separated from her family as a child, 
was raised in a children's home and then a hostel for women, and as a result, grew up with very little confidence. After being injured in a bus accident, she joined the Women on Wheels program and now earns a living for herself and has developed a newfound sense of courage and confidence. That's really cool. Really cool, man. Yeah, that's uh, that's something for sure. So I think it's nice that your money, when you book a G Adventures trip, uh, your money is not going in the pocket of some New York CEO or some <laughs> Miami-based yeah. CEO where 60% of your money is going to their pocket. Like, no, it's going to the local economy and you're really supporting them. So That's I do awesome. like that about this company. And this is not sponsored by G Adventures. We are talking about G Adventures because we like the company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how long uh, of a trip was this? How how long were you in India? Yeah, I want to say it was uh, nine days total, but I did add on some days before and after. But yeah, in India, I want to say it was nine days. Yeah, that's really cool. Do you? It was like what, like three grand for you? Yeah, yeah. So flights to India. We were talking about this with Gara before. I mean, if you get a great deal, or you're from like a major hub city, like you're starting your trip in JFK or Chicago or maybe Southern Florida or something like that, you may find a deal and get flights for you know as low as maybe eight hundred bucks round trip. I think on average, if you're coming from a B city, and by B city, I mean like a city where you have to connect to a major hub to get over to India, you're going to pay $1,000 is a great rate for an economy ticket, probably closer to twelve dollars or $1,300. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That sounds about right. That's really cool. And do they, they, it seems like they take care of food and everything. You don't have to worry about those kind of prices. Yeah. So you, um, Included in the trip is going to be your basics, your your flights, transportation, um, as well as lodging and touring, as well as local tour guides, as well as your main tour guide. There's a difference there we can talk about in a minute. Um, but when it comes to food, they're going to include all your breakfasts for the whole trip, as well as a couple dinners. Lunches will be on your own. And, and that's because some of the best lunches are when you're out and about just buying street food, right? Yep. I love street food there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's pretty key. Um, one more thing about G adventures before we move on to our defining words, I want to talk a bit, if you are a female looking to travel to India. So I would say a key thing is, um, G adventures has told me multiple times their key demographic or their, um, number one demographic yeah. would be uh, single females right around the age of 40. Mm. And why it's nice is because, hey, when you arrive, you're greeted by women on wheels to take you to your hotel. You are going to be taken care of in a small tour group. You're going to meet friends that you'll probably end up staying in contact with for years down the road. And you don't have to worry about something happening to you as a single woman who's trying to just kind of navigate on their own. Um, because in India, we're not going to go into it too deeply um, just because we don't have the perspective of a single woman. We don't, we don't. And yeah, there's a lot going on. Yeah, sure. exactly. So our recommendation is um, you're going to travel as, as a single, as a single lady, uh, go with we, the, we yeah. recommend going with a tour group like G adventures. Yeah. It's just going to be best all around. And obviously, if you have other thoughts on that as a single woman, maybe who's traveled to India, please comment and uh, let us know your thoughts and let our listeners know your thoughts as well. All right. That's our intro. Let's talk about how do you, how on earth do you define 
a country like India with three words, but we're going to try. <laughs> Here's three words to help you. Here's our defining words. All right. Our first word is not one word. It's religious diversity. So you're going to notice this the moment you touch down in India. You're going to see a lot of turbans. You're going to see a lot of saris. Are saris a religious thing? Uh, saris are just uh, kind of, I think, more of a traditional wear, but turbans for sure. Yeah, but I would say religion is going to kind of get involved with every aspect of Indian life in in a sense. Would you agree with that? Definitely. I think uh, India is a very religious country. Um, Obviously, the main religion is Hinduism, but um, I think most people have some sort of faith that they subscribe to. Yeah. I know we got to go to a Sikh temple check out a service and go inside and kneel on the ground for like 10 minutes and hang out and just see what they were doing. Love Sikh people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was kind of wild. There was like the Sikh master, I would call him at like the front. Yeah. And, was, uh, was he waving like a kind of like a feather duster kind of thing over a holy book? Uh, yeah, that sounds right. Okay. And people were dropping money in a glass case with like a body buried in it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, there is so much, happening in a country like India, your mind kind of explodes because it's so different from anything you see over here in the West. Definitely. Yeah. But it's so important to go check out. Yeah. Um, I just think that uh, everybody in India, like, so my parents are Hindus and I come from a Hindu background and, you know, grew up going to Hindu temples and definitely my family back home is doing the same thing and Mm -hmm. praying every day. And you Mm -hmm. can, you know, there's, it, it's not just Hinduism, Sikhism, like you were saying, Brian is pretty predominant in India and just that religion is all about serving people and serving the lesser than. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think it's beautiful how um, people in India allow their religious identity to change them and motivate them to help the lesser than people. And mm-hmm. I don't know, it's pretty cool. You are going to see little statues and idols everywhere. Definitely. <laughs> we did a one tour, and it was like at the very end of the tour, it was a small group, just like five of us in, in Jaipur, and our tour guide, he was so cool. I'm excited to tell you about this tour later, because quick little sneak peek, you are going to learn about laughing yoga, so hang in there. That is going to be worth its weight in gold, but... um he took us to like a garage and inside this neighbor's garage, there was just this bro making, he's had like so many different little statues and he's like hand carving one. He's like, Oh, Hey, what's up guys? You want to see my shop? We're like, Oh, all right. I guess here's where a bunch of them are made. That's like uh, that's an industry over there. Yeah. I definitely can think of a bunch of my aunts and uncles that have uh, those sort of statues yeah. around their house. So yeah. definitely. That's cool. Uh, what's your second uh, defining word? Masala chai. And what is that? I would just call it, masala threw me for a loop. I think we just call it chai here. Yeah, masala is a type of spice. Okay. Right? Yeah. Uh, so two yeah. different types of spice. Chai is one and yeah. masala is the other. It was so delicious and I haven't had it this good back here. I, it, they serve it to you in this little, uh, shoot, what's that like um, uh, type of... Thing it's like called like a little clay clay uh, yeah 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 it's like a um a dark orange clay little cup exactly they give it to you you drink about. it and then you get to smash it on the street and i heard that the reason you smash it on the street 
which is super fun, by the way, is because you are then um, supporting the people, like the industry of those who then come around and sweep it up. They sweep up the, uh, <laughs> yeah, used. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Delicious. It's everywhere and it's cheap. So you'll get your fill of masala chai. I could have so many chais every single day. <laughs> have you tried making it? Yeah, I actually made some today just to you nice. know, ground up some uh, To ginger. get ready for the podcast. Yeah, you know, <laughs> trying to get in that India state of mind, you know. So. Third word, busy. And what do you mean by that? Oh, how do you define the busyness of India? Just bustling everywhere. You're just, uh, like you were saying, as soon as you get dropped into the New Delhi airport, uh, for those that obviously haven't gone, it's just crazy because... Uh, You'll be, as soon as you walk out of the airport, you see 50 to 60 different cab drivers trying to grab your attention and trying to get you into a cab. And then after that, just even going through the roads, there's an, there's very few Indian roads I've seen that hasn't had, that aren't packed and in a slight traffic jam at all times. So it's crazy. People are walking everywhere. People are selling stuff everywhere. Very busy. I believe it's the second most populated country next to China. Is it? Okay. I know it's like goes back and forth, I think. You're saying one point three six billion in India. That's a lot of people. Yeah. And then China is one point three nine billion. It's pretty close. It's pretty close. It's pretty close. Yeah. yeah. And the traffic's there is crazy and all that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm too scared to drive. Would you consider driving in India? I wouldn't drive a car because I feel like I would crash it immediately. Okay. But, um I have driven scooters and a motorcycle at one point. And that's a lot nice. of fun. Ooh, that oh. sounds cool. That sounds yeah. really cool. That sounds terrifying time. and cool. Yeah, yeah. Do they have like roundabouts or? Yeah, definitely okay. roundabouts in Delhi. Um, not so much in some of the smaller cities, but in the big cities for sure. It's sure. all roundabout traffic. And I'm guessing because it was once a British colony, it's left side of the road? Yeah, you're right okay. about that. Okay. So. They're driving the left. So yeah. interesting. That's yeah. super hard to get used to. It's one of those, the moment you walk out of your hotel, you almost get it by a car. Yep, there you go. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Because you're looking the wrong way. So, yeah. Look right. Look right. I think that concludes defining words. Was there anything else you wanted to add, Brian? No. All right. <laughs> let's talk about highs and lows. Sometimes things are good. Sometimes they're bad, too. It's highs, lows, highs, lows coming to you. Talking about India, it's it's too worrisome i'm gonna leave out something huge and important and like i said earlier i can just imagine if you've traveled to india a lot and you're listening to this episode you're thinking like how are they not touching on this and i'm sorry but hey this is just us trying to recreate our trip brian like okay i have not had any experience in asia whatsoever and from what I've read, from what I've looked at, it seems so overwhelmingly different to what I'm used to here right. in the States. Yeah. Was that kind of a part of such a, I guess, a cultural shock of how different things are? It's so overwhelming with how different things are in such a interesting and fantastic way. Yeah, like just going on your balcony and looking out at the street and people watching is an excursion in of itself. Because what you're seeing, you're seeing, you're seeing people in intersections of large volume traffic intersections selling something or doing something interesting or just people everywhere and like 
not everyone's on their phones like here, which is really nice. And I'm sure it's slowly gravitating that way where more and more people will be on their phones as time exists. But if you go there right now, you see actual community and people talking to each other, which I, I, I miss that for the U S I, I, I desire that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, um, I love that about India so much is the fact that, you know, anybody that you talk to or just even ask a question to, they'll totally open up to you. They'll totally just uh, feel you out where you are and yeah. Overshare almost. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> That's really cool. Overshare. That's good. My high, my first high, I have a lot. I think there's like six. First high oh, is from Jaipur, which was the last stop of our trip. This is a city I hadn't heard of. And it was fantastic. Maybe uh, I actually liked it more than Delhi, to be honest. In Jaipur, one things that one of the things that made it so special was that I did a five a.m. bicycle tour of the city. So it's still dark outside. I went in December. Keep in mind, good time to visit India is going to be that October through April, where it's cold here, warmer over there in the evenings and at five a.m. I definitely needed my fleece, um, long sleeves jeans for sure but in the daytime you can go down to shorts and t-shirt for sure um so i'm an advocate of traveling to india in december before christmas i thought that was nice but this 5 a.m bicycle tour of the city my guide made it really special he was uh, a marathon runner and he was very excited and so uh first stop once we got in our bicycles and i mean it was pitch dark and uh i was still pretty tired First stop was go get masala chai to wake up a little bit because there was someone making it at that time, you know? So we drank, we smashed, we got back on our bikes (laughs) and kept going. And then we, there's a whole bunch of cows in this one random, like in the middle of a street. And so we stopped, we purchased like long pieces of grass or hay, or I don't know what cows eat, something green. And we fed the cows. That was for good fortune for our bicycle tour, right? But I've never fed cows before. And that's because, Gaurav, correct me if I'm wrong, cows are a holy creature in India, correct? Yeah, just celebrated and sacred, you know. It's a part of uh, Hinduism, and uh, I think they're celebrated there. So, you know, never want to hurt a cow or anything like that. Right. So they're just walking in the street. You will see them in in a busy city like Delhi or Jaipur. Yeah, definitely. And uh, people will do everything in their ability to avoid them. So so when it comes to meat, well, we'll get to that in a second. But just on the cow note, you're not going to eat beef while you're in India. Yeah, and you probably won't be eating a lot of meat at all just because that's the culture there. Yeah. But um, yeah. it is available, but definitely not beef at all. After we fed the cows, we went to the front of a palace. I don't even remember the name. It was beautiful. And we played badminton in the road in front of the palace with locals using our bicycles as the net. (laughs) So, I mean, like this is just an, uh, who gets this opportunity, you know, morning badminton players in front of the palace. We parked our bikes as the net. Yeah. It was so cool. From there, we went to the market, walk through all the, all the ladies were setting up and it was so cool because you got to see, these ladies, they must have had the strongest necks you can possibly think of, putting gigantic baskets on top of their head. And at one point, my tour guide said, hey, Brian, come over here. Lift this sack of um, either potatoes or tomatoes or something with me to like a big crate. And we both just, and we were able to lift it, right? He said, okay, put it back down. Now watch this. A woman came over. Two men grabbed it, 
put it on top of her head, and she walked off. <laughs> that is crazy. <laughs> Insane. I was like, oh, my gosh. Um, and then final, well, there were two more stops, but the next stop was laughing yoga. <laughs> so we went so to- I'm so interested about this. You were talking about it a little yeah, bit, yes. and I'm really curious to hear more yeah, about so it. So you've heard of yoga. So we went to a park, an open-air park, and we uh, there was no one in the park. And when we got there, our tour guide said, okay, guys, help me scream. And he went, and so we all went like that. And then guys started coming out of the woodwork. Just old men started walking over. This was the cue that we were about to start morning laughing yoga. We all got in a giant circle. And our tour guide did not let us foreigners stand next to each other. So it had to be Indian, foreigner, Indian, foreigner. And laughing yoga is where you turn to the person next to you and you open up your arms real wide in a certain direction, which you're cute to do. You look them square in the eyes and then you laugh. (laughs) And they do the same thing at you. And you are like, are we really about to do this? I think I should run. I don't think I'm comfortable doing this, right? And I'm an extreme extrovert. So for me to say that, you know, this is pretty wild. Anyways, by the end of it, you love it. And you love turning to people and laughing, looking and and the laughter becomes real and so much fun. Got some great pictures, pictures with these guys. It was a blast. Um, From there, a couple more. Yeah, yeah. You you can't make this stuff up. Uh, Only in India. From there, got some more, uh, some some curry, and and, and made our way back. So highly so this recommend. Is just your morning. So it's just like so this is all finished before ten a.m. Wow! That's wow! Funny. That's a cool, cool experience. Yeah. You can get a lot done uh, when you when you start your tour at five a.m. So that was my first high, and that was in Jaipur. Tell us more, man. Second high was the Taj Mahal. Have you been to the Taj? Yeah, I've been there about two or three times. Yeah, so it's in the city of Agra. Yep. Which is southeast of Delhi. How did you get there? Train, car, we flight? took. We had a, yeah, like, a, so in Delhi, uh, we took a, I would call it like a small bus, almost like a shuttle, okay. if you will. Sure. It comfortably held 16, 16 people, but we only had 14 on our tour. So nice. we were comfortable. Agra, I mean, the Taj Mahal, it's crazy because when I went there, it was so smoggy. The air was so polluted that day. And even then, it was miraculous. Yeah, I think the detail um, and that like hand-built um, actual building is kind of insane. You wouldn't even see anything like that now. Yeah. Just like if you're actually like mm-hmm. going right up to the building, you can see that somebody did this all. And there was so much like love and tenderness put into right. the building itself. And I think one thing for the for the Taj Mahal, I was expecting as we were getting close to it, I thought we would see it from a distance and it would be like, oh, oh here, there it is. towering exactly that the suspense is building up to. Kind of right, thing. right, right. In reality, it's in a city. So like, how can you have this beautiful, uh, giant, um, it's a mosque. That's what the Taj Mahal is. And it's, it's also a, a, a mausoleum, right? To yeah. the architect's wife? Yeah, to the yeah, uh, architect right. and his wife. They both uh, reside there. I think uh, it was a basically um, it was for the architect's wife for her to be buried. I think her name is Mumtaz. Okay, she's buried there, and then eventually um, I forgot the guy's name who actually built it, but he was buried there as well. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, coming up to it, you don't see it because it's there's tall walls on every side of it. And then when you get in there, it really hits you like a ton of bricks because you're seeing it all at once once you get inside. And then you get to walk in. Everyone has to take their shoes off. Um, we'll talk about that more later. But it was, I mean, really that cool. I would say spend it, plan to spend at least three hours at the Taj Mahal. That sounds about right. And it's off like a river too, isn't it? Yeah. The, to kind of add to the whole atmosphere yeah, of it? Behind it, um, the, I think the Ganges River actually cuts through behind the river itself. Okay, so, that's or, cool. Or the Ganges or the Yamuna. Sorry, one of those two. But yeah, there's um, if you go behind the Taj Mahal, you can actually see it. That's really cool. It's pretty cool. There was this guy I paid 20 bucks to, and he took pictures of all of us with a professional camera in front of the Taj Mahal. And then he quickly darted out of there. And by the time we were leaving, he showed showed back up with the whole book for each person in our group for 20 bucks. So it was pretty sweet. Wow, that's legit. <laughs> yeah, like he had printed them and then was ready. So yeah, definitely worth it. But iPhones take nice pictures too. Brian, I'm really curious about your next story um, about a hot air balloon in Jaipur. I did my first hot air balloon ride. I've always wanted to. This was a great opportunity. I want to say it was around 200 bucks. It was in the city of Jaipur. One of those days where you got to wake up at 4 a.m. and it was like a two-hour ride out there. Uh, when we got there, it was still dark and they greeted us with masala chai as well as coffee, as well as snacks and it was and in soothing music and you watch the sunrise wow. and then and then when it's time they start blowing up the hot air balloon that's an experience to watch cuz the hot air balloon starts tipped over totally deflated and then <laughs> they start adding hot air to it everyone's got to stand back that's really cool and then everyone gets in and they assign you to a different little of the four little components of the hot air balloon i'm not sure if you've ever done one you get assigned into one of them um Take two steps, get in, and then boom, uh, you just start going up. And it was awesome. Everyone in Jaipur was waving to us from the ground. You can see them and wave back. And then, it, and then after like being up there for an hour, it became this big question of the pilot saying, all right, where am I going to choose to land today? The landing is key. Uh, and we picked some random farmer's field and... It was cool because that farmer like considered it like a blessing that we chose to land in his field. And he and all of his sons came out to help us because uh, wow, wow. help us that's get really out of cool. it. So yeah, that's awesome interesting. Experience. it was an awesome experience. Yeah. yeah. All right. My next high was going to Dula Village. This was a stop on our tour. So if you can think of it, hitting um, Delhi, Agra, and Jaipur, these are three large cities with lots sure. of people. It was really special and unique that we got to go to a small village. Where where were you coming from and where were you going? Yeah, this is a halfway point between Agra heading west to Jaipur. Okay. So this is like, uh, words can't do it justice, but think of like a, almost like a tented campground, but luxurious. So everyone is assigned a nice tent with a bathroom and shower inside, and you have electricity, bed, dresser, all that kind of stuff, like a luxury tent. And there's like 14 of them in a row, right? So I got my own, which was nice. And then um, outside are these beautiful, tall columns and a pool and like a little amphitheater. Oh, it was just beautiful. One of the highlights of my trip, 
getting to meet the family who runs it, and then the morning bicycle ride throughout Doula Village. Uh, again, like six, a, probably six a.m. Um, but that was special because the locals in the village were so excited to see foreigners that they would, the kids would run and follow us on our bicycles, and then we got to go in the home of our bicycle leader's home, and with he and his daughter served us masala chai. And we got we were hanging out there right there with his uh, his chickens and a I think a cow and everything and it was like getting to go in someone's home. That's what I love about G Adventures is that they're gonna do home visits and things like that. Yeah. So you're not just staying at hotels and restaurants. Like you no, we want you to real authentic feel to it. Absolutely. So things like that. Those are the memories you bring home. The Taj Mahal is great, but you need to go into someone's home and have tea with them. That's going to be key. Definitely. I would say so for sure. Yeah. Um, visiting family back home, are they in, you mentioned some are in Delhi, which is a big city. Are any in smaller villages? Yeah. So not so much a smaller village, but um, in Amritsar, which is in Punjab, um, my dad's side of the family lives. And that place is amazing. I love, my uncle lives in my grandparents' house who, um, and he takes care of them and he takes care of, uh, you know, everything that they're doing. And when I brought my friends over from America, last time I went, he, you know, kept us all there like family yeah. and we were drinking chai, just like you were saying, and, you know, eating my aunt's food and just having a good time and just different aunts and uncles would come and visit us at our uncle's house. So awesome. It's really cool. And I think one thing we need to, for any, if like, if you don't know anything about India and you're listening to this episode, I think one important, uh, just like thing we need to clarify is that when you get to India, don't expect, <laughs> don't expect people living in little, I, I don't know what you might expect from like our youth or something, right? Like, I think like Slumdog Millionaire is probably yeah, a big yeah. perception for a lot of people okay. what India might look like. Which is unfortunate. Yeah. In reality, you're seeing lots of high-rise apartment buildings and very modern hotels and restaurants and shops and stores and credit cards are accepted and people have smartphones. I mean, this is a hustle and bustle city with there's nice cars, there's all sorts of cars really. But uh, infrastructure, it's it's there. I mean, it's it's a very it's it's become modern. Yeah, I think um, the great thing about um, most Indian cities is that you have that modern side, and you have the you know industry and you know twenty somethings with their smartphones and all of that going on. But then you know there's a respect to the history of the area and yeah. where it all came from. And uh, yeah, I think uh, people definitely just. You know, there's still monuments, there's still statues from the 14th and the 15th century, yeah. and those are still celebrated. Too, so. I, one thing about the culture, as you were talking, and uh, just the respect for your elders. I love that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that's, that's yeah, something I wish we had here. Like a homage to your grandparents and yeah. your older aunts and uncles. Yeah, and just respect, not talking back and <laughs> being rude to them. Mm -hmm. It's cool. My last high is I did a Bollywood dance class on the hotel roof in Jaipur. This is this is cool. I mean, that's one thing we haven't talked about is Bollywood and the impact right. that Bollywood has on yeah. India and uh, Asian countries, right? Asia as a whole? Yeah, definitely. It's really cool. Uh, 
Bollywood movie I watched. I'll I'll think I'll get the name here in a minute, but it's about a guy who pretends to be blind and plays piano. It's so good. I got to reference that later. Don't worry. I'll look it up in a sec. But I did a Bollywood dance class on a hotel roof, and it was awesome. Basically, uh, it was me and about six other girls who signed up for it. And then uh, the dance instructor came up, and he was he was awesome. He was a good Bollywood dancer, taught us some moves. And then next thing you know, uh, we choreographed like maybe a little 10 second piece and then we got to do it and film it together. And uh, yeah, I'll definitely link to the video. If you're unfamiliar with what Bollywood is, Bollywood is India's own form of Hollywood. So, uh, you know, Hollywood is only in LA, United States. India has their own form of Hollywood and it's known as Bollywood. And they have a very, uh, they, they have a unique form of movie uh, and storytelling and, uh, yeah, it's a interesting uh, interesting movies come from Bollywood for sure. Great movies. So the movie I'm recommending is called Andhadhun and it's spelled A N D H A D H U N and it's about a guy who I guess I'm giving it away by saying he pretends to be blind. You learn pretty quickly in the movie that he's not actually blind. So I don't feel I'm giving it away too much, but got to check it out. There's definitely some cool twists at the end. Highly recommend it. Ready for our lows? Absolutely. Uh, do you have any lows? Well, it's always a bummer to think of lows when you have such a great trip, but I think sure. we owe it to our audience to just to warn them of things that could happen. Sure. So if you hop in a taxi or are they tuk-tuks over there in India? What do you call them? Uh, I think autos and taxis. Gotcha. How about the ones where it's open air, three wheels? Oh, that's a rickshaw? Yeah. What was I thinking tuk-tuk from? Is that Jamaica? <laughs> maybe just record the jamaica podcast yeah okay good point <laughs> rickshaws that was what i was looking for you hire a taxi or a rickshaw and it happened to me and it happened to others in my group i'm not going to say it happens every time but i will say it happened multiple times to me and it did happen multiple times to people in my group where the driver of the taxi or the driver of the rickshaw was insistent on taking me to their uncle or their cousin's rug shop or tile shop or something. And if you go, there will be uh, most likely a high pressure sales pitch to get you to, uh, to purchase something. So, I mean, I respect them. They're looking out for their uncle. They're looking out for their nephew, their cousin who has a tile shop or rug shop. Do you, does this surprise you? Uh, this doesn't surprise me really <laughs> okay. at all. I haven't had that same experience, but maybe that's because um, they can tell I'm Indian. But I could see yeah. how a uh, speak their language. Yeah, I could see how a foreigner would uh, yeah. find themselves in that situation. I'm sure. tall and pasty, and uh, yeah, I think I I I stick out like a sore thumb. You're the perfect candidate for <laughs> their uncle's tile <laughs> shop. Okay, cool. So um, the next low also has to do with this, but instead of it being your taxi guide or rickshaw driver, it's your very own tour guide. This is a concept in tourism, which I just need to warn everyone about. Being in travel, uh, taking groups over to places, this just exists and it's something you have to live with. In tourism, as a guide, you have the opportunity to take a group of people to a shop and that shop owner is most likely, okay, I'll say always going to give a little kickback to the guide who brings them there. 
So when your guide takes you shopping or to like, hey, at 14 people who are visiting India, I know some of them want to buy a rug. And the truth is, yes, some of them do. Your tour guide is going to take you to a place where he has a relationship with the rug shop owner. And he's going to bring you there. They're going to serve you tea, Coke, Pepsi, Sprite, water, smoothies, beer, all that kind of stuff. And you are going to be there. You're going to learn all about the rug making business. And then there's going to be a high pressure sales pitch at the end. It's not a bad thing. This is how tourism works. I've had it all over uh, Asia, Africa, South America. You will be taken to a place where there's going to be a sales pitch. Just know going into it, am I going to say yes or am I going to say no? If you don't say no to them, that's going to mean yes. And they're not going to stop until you buy. And your tour guide is probably fine keeping you there for a couple hours to make sure everyone has a chance to buy. So this is just a low. I wouldn't really say it's all of India. It's more just a low of when you travel um, to a foreign country. Your tour guide is going to take you to a place where you will be expected to buy something. Um, And if you don't want to, just say no. But overall, that's just a low when it comes to tourism. Yeah, that's true. That definitely happens whenever you go with a tour guide. I remember when I took uh, our trip to Israel, um, Uh, there were about 39 people in our group, if you recall. (laughs) And uh, I remember we got to Capernaum, the hometown of Jesus. And we got off the bus and uh, a, a jeweler pulled me aside as we were walking to the entrance. He said, hey, you know, sir, uh, I would love to kind of, for lack of a better word, hook you up if you will bring your group to my jewelry shop. And I'm in Tiberius and here's my card and here's my number. Can I have your cell phone? And I was just like, dude, you got to back up. <laughs> we're not coming to your jewelry shop. <laughs> I had no idea that happened to you. Back up. Yeah. So he, he left me alone once he saw I put my foot down. But you got to put your foot down, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I think that concludes our lows. I think we can roll into uh, our tips now. Yeah. Tips from the travel agents. So, Brian, it's a long way to India. Did you have a direct flight or did you break it up? I broke it up. Yeah, it is a long flight. I know that um, there was the longest flight, the longest scheduled flight in the world was from Newark, New Jersey to New Delhi. I don't know if that's still the longest flight or if another city has it, but I broke it up because I didn't feel like doing that flight. And so I did uh, a couple nights in London on the way there. Nice. And then the way back, I just had a long layover in London. And I think I overnighted in JFK to get back to Cleveland. So I do, I, I liked breaking it up. It was nice to be able to uh, touch down in a city in, in Europe and then fly over. Yeah. Business class or uh, So I flew Virgin Atlantic Premium Economy. It was fantastic. Um, you get, it's not a lie flat bed because it's not business class, but in premium economy, you get very ample leg room. You get the leg rest. Your seat goes back pretty far. You have a larger TV screen. A um, little more room as well as just upgraded uh, food and drinks with a whole menu that you get to choose from what you're looking for. So Virgin Atlantic, great experience. One thing I'd love to add. Um, so Virgin, that sounds awesome. But I've also tried Emirates. And if you're really into breaking up the trip, definitely oh, recommend that because you're not yeah. going to spend a lot of money. 
and uh, you get to stop in Dubai, which is awesome. Yeah. And then also, um, yeah, it's just a pretty premium flight, I would say. Oh, because yeah. I their, bet. their economy class is <laughs> better like... than most first classes. I'm just <laughs> yeah. going to go out and say it. Oh, <laughs> man, that like sounds the, amazing. The food they give you, the sure. chairs, the nice little 13-inch tablets in front of you where yeah, you can man. watch movies. It's it's fun. I've not flown Emirates yet. That's a dream of mine. I would love to fly Emirates. Yeah. In a polar opposite, I'm guessing you did not take the infamous Air India. Air India is in the travel industry. It's it's known as the, one of the most complained about international airlines. Um, yeah. I I did read the points guy did the business class there. He seemed to like it okay, but it, it does not hold up. And I've also had other clients who claimed they got sick by drinking a drink that had ice cubes in it on an Air India flight. I've had multiple people say that, wow. or or the lettuce from like a salad. Why would they serve salad on? That must have been a different airline. I don't think they would serve lettuce I've on an Air India. I've only flown F- Air right. India one time. How was your experience? It was all right. I yeah. think um, I was a kid, so it was hard to okay. tell. Sure, sure. Yeah. But, yeah. You were like, oh, there's a TV. I'm happy. Yeah, pretty oh, much. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how most kids are on a flight. Yeah. It's when you start getting like... Uh, older and you realize I need to visit a chiropractor. That's when you start getting kind of like anxious about long flights. So. Yeah. It only gets worse the older you get. Uh, so I know we talked about it a little bit, but you didn't really feel too comfortable without a guide, right? There's a difference between safety and comfort. Okay. I felt safe in India. Would you agree that you felt safe there? Yeah, I felt pretty safe most of the time. In okay, India. Pretty safe, yeah. I really did feel safe maybe it's because i didn't know what was going on but i did um but there's a difference with comfort so just arriving not speaking a word of hindi besides namaste and danyevad which i think is thank you um i would not have felt comfortable like where am i wandering off to what am i seeing what on earth kind of thing am i getting into here um having a guide who can open up the city and all the knowledge and insights of it i think is so important as well as take you to restaurants that are actually going to be good versus just me saying okay there's a place that serves food i guess i'll walk in it helps a lot for sure to have a travel guide to have a tour guide yeah yeah no it's different for you since having the family there and i'm sure they're going to take great care of you and you also like the adventure of it and are a little more competent of what you're getting into yeah i love just uh you know, getting down in Delhi airport, figuring out where to go all by myself, yeah. already having a plan, not needing my aunts or uncles coming to pick me up just because I can speak the language. I can get a cab. I can get to where I need to go and not yeah. really even have to worry about it. Yeah. This next tip is a little bit, yeah, it's a little bit sad to talk about. You are going to have children on the street approach you asking you for money. Right. A lot of children. And you're, the first question is, wow, where, where are their parents? Do they have an older sibling? Who are these? Um, but the company I was with, G Adventures, they said, hey, if you want to give money to these kids, that's up to you. We're not going to tell you yes or no. What we okay. are going to tell you is a lot of you are going to be tempted to take pictures of them because these kids are so cute, right? You're going to want to take pictures. Do not post those pictures on social media. Why is that? The claim was that there are people who kidnap children who surf social media to see which kids are are begging and which ah, kids geez. are taken by which group who That's do awful. things like this. I didn't quite grasp it. It's just they made it very clear. 
you take pictures with these children, do not upload it to social media. And I like that. I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And no one in the group did it. Yeah, that's good to did know. Constant check, so. That's really good to know. Can you so, talk a little bit about the water situation in India? So if you saw Slumdog Millionaire, you saw someone fill up a, a bottle of water with uh, tap water and then put a plastic uh, glue on it. So, and then take it to someone who thought they were buying bottled water. We were told profusely this is not accurate. Bottled water is, um, man, you, I don't know, via their purification process. It's cheap to buy for manufacturers and they have tons of it. So do not worry about buying bottled water in India. They did recommend that you open it, obviously, yourself. That way you can hear the crack. Um, but they said, do not worry. That slumdog millionaire thing kind of screwed us over. The one other tip, though, even if you're still not sold, like, well, who knows? I did see it in Slumdog Millionaire. You can get carbonated water, sparkling water, which is nearly mm. impossible to quickly fill up with tap water, <laughs> glue the seal, and then make it sparkling again. Yeah, yeah. So I suppose if you were truly freaked out, all right, just drink sparkling water. But I'm here to tell you, don't worry about uh, the bottled water. Drink the bottled water. And buy some big ones for your hotel that you can uh, use to brush your teeth. Cool. Yeah. And uh, one of the things about India is you need to get an e-visa, right? Can you explain what an e-visa is and how much it costs? It's so funny that because um, for U.S. travelers traveling abroad, there were four countries that were always extremely difficult to get visas for. We called them the BRIC countries, B-R-I-C. It was an acronym. It's for Brazil, Russia, India, China. Those four mm. countries, I can tell you, the visa process is so overwhelming and really frustrating. The nice thing about India, this is somewhat of a recent change. I'd say the last five years or so. Yeah. Now they're allowing Americans to get e-visas. So I will tell you this. I want to say I paid 30 bucks. That on, sounds right. I applied on a Monday via the website. I uploaded a picture of myself and my passport, filled out the details. It took me maybe five to 10 minutes. And by that Friday, it was approved. Yeah. That's, awesome. That's a lot better than the process of getting to Russia. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Don't get me started on the Russian visa. It is a nightmare. Um, but you do need an e-visa to get to India along with your passport. And that visa lasts for about a month, right? Yeah, I want to say that was a single entry visa. Yeah, there were other options, but mm -hmm. yeah, it was not difficult to get. So I was fine with that. So with G Adventures, you got to see some of the highlights of Northern India in the Golden Triangle, like the Taj Mahal and like the other temples surrounding surrounding in that area. Are there anything that is there anything else that you got to do while on the G Adventure tour? that you like that you wouldn't normally get a chance to do. The reason I push G adventures so much is because they're not just going to take you to the touristy things, though they will include the touristy things because heck you're going all the way to India. You want to see the Taj Mahal, right? But some of the things they did was like, we made, we had like a bread making class for those. What are those like things called that? Like they're uh dolls. Chapati. Chapati. Okay. Rotis. They're full of, uh, yeah. Like either vegetables oh, or chicken they're like it's like a half moon kind of thing uh like imagine a circle cut down in half and they're folded on both sides kind of like um like at taco bell you get those uh what are those things called those sweet things <laughs> uh 
like cinnamon bun roll things? The cinnamon delights or something? No, not cinnamon, not cinnamon twists. It's just dough. I don't really know what we were making. I think I think it looks like you were making. Uh, was this at a Sikh temple? Yeah, it was oh. at a Sikh temple. Yeah, so you were making rotis uh, for sure, oh, like the little cool. breads that you like, kind of like roll yeah. into like with the pin, and it's then you crazy. Put it on you the would just stove. know that by that picture. That's really cool. Yeah, no, that looks like a. That looks like uh, the Lunger in a Sikh temple. Nice. The reason I like G-Adventures so much is that while they are going to take you to those touristy things that you need to see, like the Taj Mahal, they're also going to give you a lot of cool local interactions. So, for example, I thought of six things that we got to do that were pretty unique, like a bread-making class at a Sikh temple for, as Garv just told me, we were making, what was it called? Uh, roti. Thank you. We also did a pottery making demonstration in the locals' home uh, in Dula Village. I got to do that bicycle tour I was talking about and having masala chai in the leader's home with his daughter. I got to smoke hookah in a locals' Ooh, home. I love Sounds hookah. Like fun. In yeah. Jaipur, I got to do that 5 a.m. morning bicycle tour around the city and walk through the markets and laughing yoga. You heard all that. And then um, I also got to do in Jaipur a cooking class at like a couple's home. And then after we cooked the food together, we went inside their home to eat it. I mean, they even let me hold their newborn baby. So like these are pretty cool experiences, you know? Man, yeah, that's super cool, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and another thing that was just so super cool was um, I took an Uber in Agra to get an Indian head massage. Okay, you had me at massage, but I need to know what a head massage is. So basically, it is just focused on the neck up, okay? So they start by just kind of rubbing your scalp, and it's super relaxing, very ASMR-esque. Did you fall asleep? I feel like I would have uh, fallen asleep on that no, I one. felt too good. I, I, don't, I didn't fall asleep. Um, and then they put some kind of like a lotion all over your face and then with like this um, machine with like a spinner brush over it. I'm not quite sure how to explain it. <laughs> they kind of like the lotion all over your... They polish your head. They, it's a polisher. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When it went over my lips, that was a little bit like, ooh, this is weird. <laughs> it's kind of no, going in my like mouth. That. Yeah, the lips part was like, yeah, maybe you could just like steer away from my lips, but uh, that's okay. Um, I will just say then he, yeah. Uh, massage my neck and you know i've had neck issues with yeah yeah like volleyball so um it was like it was a good hour really an hour long i would say i'm booking my flight now uh with tip it was ten dollars and that was a generous tip like i was they were like oh really you're giving that Wow, was that a, so? Was that a part of G Adventures, or did you do that? No, on your that own wasn't. That was just my own volition. I like I said, I took an Uber to get there, and uh, Uber. This is this is my next tip. Uber is in India, but you pay with cash. You don't pay via credit card through the app. How does that work? Exactly. That's a little different now. I think has it changed? Yeah. So um, if you are using uber there's a couple of different uber apps there so there's mm -hmm. some of them where um basically you and the driver agree on a fare through the app and then you have to pay them in cash after and then okay. there's some like traditional lyft and uber and they let you use your credit cards now well it's the weirdest thing i'm like wait a minute i'm paying in cash but this is ordered through uber so like 
what am I going to be charged twice? But I was never yeah, charged. How I does was never get their cut? I was never charged by. I don't know how they get their cut. <laughs> I was never charged by Uber. Maybe they bill the driver based on the fare that I ordered or something. I don't know. Okay. So the tip there would be to absolutely carry cash if you're going to India. Have to have cash. And that leads me to my next tip, which is all about the ATMs. ATMs are, in a sense, they're everywhere. But we had like 50-50 luck as far as if they would actually work or not. Uh Uh, Some of them, they were either out of cash or my debit card assumed it was fraud. So uh-huh. it's nice. I do have the, um, the Schwab yes. brokerage account card, which I've, I, I, I always put 2000 bucks into it before my trip. I find that's great. That way, if it gets stolen or something, total amount I lose is $2,000, not a penny more. Um, but you can always add more to it if you would need to. However, it just works around the world and it, covers all your foreign atm no fees, fees for the month yeah it's pretty sweet so even when the atm says there's an eight dollar charge to use this atm do you wish to continue you push yes and you get reimbursed the eight bucks at the end of the month it's pretty tight um, wow that's really cool schwab's customer service was great every time it expected fraud i just gave them a quick call on my cell they picked up very quickly and then allowed me to use the atm yeah and i think a lot of times if you tell your companies that uh you're going to india and you're going to be there from this state to this state they can leave that in their notes and it's fine so very nice right like i've heard a lot of stories about uh i guess is it true that there are a lot of beggars in india yeah you're gonna see beggars when you are in a tour bus and you get dropped off at a place like the taj mahal or the agra fort or some touristy palace or something i mean let's just be honest these are tourists who have money in their pockets and they're getting off a tour bus so um i would just say be prepared for it be prepared some of the beggars have i'm sorry to say but like uh unfortunately like kind of mutilated bodies to look at missing limbs missing fingers missing key body parts and uh, they are bold to walk up to you and ask for money. So be prepared. Am I going to give them some money or not? How much am I going to give? Because a lot of times it's a little too late to um, when you arrive and they're already asking for it the moment you step off the tour bus. I'm just preparing you. That's your decision. Sure. But have an answer sure. ready. My next one is kind of silly. It's more lighthearted. Have fun socks. <laughs> Socks, because there are so many places where you have to take off your shoes. I want to say it was respectful. It's religious. It's uh, if you went into your aunt's home, are you going to take your shoes off? Definitely. Yeah, I think it's um, it's a little bit sanitation, and I think it's a little bit um, yeah, just just respect. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, taking off your shoes is kind of something you're supposed to do. Right, right. So your shoes, they're going to be coming off a lot on this trip based on all the cool things you're going to get to see, homes you're going to get to go into. <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of compliments because I always have fun socks. What do I have today? <laughs> Cleveland, Cleveland Cavalier socks today. Yeah. You're the king of fun socks, that's for sure. <laughs> what about Tiki Marsala? In, yeah. uh, Don't India? get excited for it. You're not going to find it. <laughs> do you like Tiki Marsala? Um, yeah, so I am a vegetarian, obviously, because of my background, but, um, yeah, I, I, there's vegetarian versions of it. I think for people that like tikka masala here in America, 
um, a good alternative in India is butter chicken, uh, which uh, so good. Definitely, you can get there, mm-hmm. and they have a lot of great lamb dishes and yeah. just different things you can try. I heard lamb or goat. Lamb is the most widely eaten meat in the world. It's the most consumed meat in the world, and that's so funny hearing that from the U.S. We would think no cow or chicken, right? But if you total up the entire world's meat consumption, I heard lamb was the number one eaten meat. I wonder if that's true or not. Really, really, it's kind of more of a delicacy in the states. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we get it like once a year. Growing up, my mom <laughs> yeah. would make lamb chops. Yeah. What about souvenirs? They got some cool souvenirs. Definitely, you're gonna want to bring some. You're going to need to get some cash. Okay. The currency in India is rupees. Uh, as of the recording of this episode, one U.S. dollar uh, to Indian rupees like is what, 73, 74. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Very good. So <laughs> a little bit tough. That's going to be good math for you. Side note, it's saying that definitely pork is the most eaten meat in the world. <laughs> pork is the most widely eaten meat in the world, followed by poultry, then beef, and then goats and sheep. Wow, I was way <laughs> off. Yeah. So that whole comment I made about uh, lamb, yep, nope, <laughs> I was wrong. It's all right, it's all right. Fact-checking, fact-checking myself, all right. Do we have any more tips? No more tips, but stick around for our standby items, and you're going to hear a bit about all you vegetarians. It's safety and other info with standby items. Here we go. I'm not a vegetarian, but I've heard from all vegetarian and vegan friends that this country, the USA, is a difficult country to be vegetarian and vegan in. Because, like, you go to Applebee's and 80% of the menu has meat in it. And I've heard, like, it is so obnoxious when the only option for a vegetarian or vegan is a salad. I'm sure you maybe get tired of salads. Yeah, I'm done with the whole salad and onion ring combo. <laughs> Can only imagine. I will say, I thought to myself, oh my goodness, India, this would be the key country to live in if you were vegetarian yes because you go to a restaurant and here's what i found i'm not sure if it was like this when you were there but every time we opened the menu after each dish there was a red dot or a green dot next to it red dot meant it had meat green dot meant it was vegetarian and i'm telling i'm not kidding 50 five zero 50 percent of the menu was green dots and i love that i bet you would love that yeah that sounds really cool yeah. yeah, so, I mean, vegetarian, it is your dream come true. Go to India, you will have so many options. Yeah. I like eating vegetarian. It's really hard to do that, like we said, here in the States. So it'd be really cool to yeah. go to a country that has that has a pretty widely accepted uh, cuisine. This might be a tip, but when you talk about rickshaws, Garav, I was just kind of like, I was like a deer in the headlights. Like, I got in the rickshaw the guy took me to where I wanted to go and he was like, here's your price or your cost. And I was like, okay. And I paid it to him. Right. I'm learning. No negotiate before you enter it. What the price is going to be. Is that kind of what you've done? What do you do before you get into a rickshaw? So I think it might be a little bit different, um, for you, but, um, just because you are obviously a foreigner, but, um, yeah, I think with the rickshaw, you definitely want to ask them beforehand. 
it's not going to make you or break you because the difference between 20, 30 to 50 rupees is all still underneath a dollar. So is it really going to kill you to pay a little bit more? Not really. But yeah, if you are trying to, if you just like having fun haggling with people, then you definitely (laughs) want to say something ahead of time. I, I had a weird practice where I would, um, haggle with the rickshaw drivers beforehand and try to get them to give me a price that they would give to a local, but then I would still give them extra when I would Aww. get somewhere just because I like haggling and I like that they hear sure. me. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> it's like you want the respect, but then you'll give them a little more money yeah. because yeah, yeah. an extra buck out of your pocket's not going to break you and it, it's going to be 75 rupees to them, which yes, is exactly. a deal. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. That's cool. You need British adapters. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit before, but uh, in India was a British territory, and because of that, it has a lot of uh, I don't know, I guess, British culture ingrained into uh, India, and that comes in the form of driving left on the side, uh, left side of the road. You need British adapters, all that kind of stuff. When you arrive in the Delhi airport, have a pen. I arrived with six hundred other fellow travelers who all needed to fill out an arrival form at the airport. And there were like two pens at the Delhi airport. I, be- <laughs> I became a hero because I handed out Kima travel pens to <laughs> multiple people. And I was like, just keep them. Did anyone call you afterwards being like, Hey, you gave me a pen in India and I just really want to work to, with you. I'm going to book my around the world cruise for yeah. $80,000. <laughs> yeah. In Agra, I went for a walk one evening and I came across monkeys Monkeys are kind of everywhere. Yeah, I love that. And they stare at you. And I was freaked out. They want your food. They are, they're not like, they're not your buddy. No. They're looking at you like, what can you offer me? Exactly. And they travel in packs. And it's fun to watch them. But I didn't get too close. But they were starting to get close to me and I, I got away. It's just weird how they really integrate with the city and they're just kind of a part of it. And they kind of take over like a whole alley in the night, I found. How big are they? <laughs> Too big. They're like four feet, some of them. Seriously? Yeah, they're pretty big. Some so of those are kind big. of intimidating, a little like pack when they, of monkeys. When they reach out to grab onto the next ledge, you yeah. know, like you're like, oh, they're pretty pretty long. But when they're just sitting on the road staring at you, maybe yeah. like half the size of your dog, I don't know, like okay, okay. So, 15 pounds? I don't know. Sure, sure. Um, yeah. Get ready for some monkeys and don't don't be like, hey, here, take my iPhone. Like they're gonna run <laughs> off with it and you're not gonna oh, see it. Oh man. Did you stay at any cool hotels? So I stayed at four different hotels in my trip. Uh, I'm gonna give a, a quick little summary. In Delhi, I stayed at the Grand Park Inn. I didn't like it. I just I wasn't a fan of it. I thought it was the least nice of the four. In Agra, I stayed at the Hotel Orange, which I really liked. It wasn't like a ton to do around the hotel, um, but in Agra, you're mostly going for the Taj Mahal. And then in Dula Village, we stayed at the Dula Bag Campground, and that was the highlight. That was just like absolutely loved it. I shared a little bit about the different tents you got, so that's going to be a highlight. And then finally in Jaipur, I stayed at the Hotel Jaipur Inn, Actually, that was by far my favorite hotel. Um, very cool, local uh, charm run by a family. And uh, everything about it was charming. I 
can't say that enough. And it was an awesome room with awesome views and tons of plants and a lot of flowers. So definitely check out the Hotel Jaipur Inn. That's going to be my key hotel for this whole trip. My next uh, standby item is that I did take Skyroam. I have mixed reviews with this. Skyroam is a Oh, it's like the size of an orange, of a hockey puck. It's bright yeah, it's orange. Pretty small. Yeah, you pay nine bucks a day to activate it for a 24-hour period, and then you get unlimited data, uh, Wi-Fi, for up to 10 devices. So I became the hero in my tour group because there were nine others in the group who did not have any sort of cell connection. Mm. So I activated Skyroam, and I gave the password to nine of my new friends well, they became friends because they were like, sweet, I can surf Instagram on the bus and things like that. Yeah, it was definitely helpful when you brought it in Iceland. Cool, that's cool. For sure. The more people logged on, the slower the speed's going to be. And that sure. is my biggest yeah, gripe about Skyroam. I mean, for nine bucks a day, that up to 10 people can have it. That's an amazing price. The problem is the connection speed is just bad when you get to 10 people. And it's, I would say it's pretty important to have some sort of cell phone situation figured out before you go because you can't just go and get a SIM card in India and just subscribe to a local plan or a prepaid plan. You actually have to have their version of a social security number to be able to do that. Mm, so, or wow. you have to go through a long process with your tour group and having them sponsor you for a SIM card. So, yeah, I actually just paid 10 bucks a day for Verizon. Yeah. But uh, my uncle eventually hooked me up with a sim card and it was <laughs> nice it was kind of awesome but i know <laughs> that luxury isn't really available for most foreign travelers so yeah yeah, yeah. so just call up guarov's uh uncle and he'll hook you up <laughs> yeah definitely for sure. <laughs> see we already talked about atm so i want to talk about oh this is just kind of funny when we would walk through markets our tour guide would just sort of very aggressively not aggressively boldly put uh Tour guides would put their hands through the different vendors' spices. I just found that strange. Like, you're a vendor and you have like 20 different spices, and people, like, your tour guide just putting their hand through it. Like, oh, that's kind of interesting with no intention of buying it. So, an interesting note regarding trash in India, specifically the cities you're going to see trash, you're going to see a plethora of trash cans on the street, and if I may be so bold to say, the majority, if not all of them, are going to be overflowing with trash. And so I've heard a little bit of the economics that um, like, these trash cans need to be emptied every single day, probably twice per day, but the government only pays for the trash cans in the cities to be emptied like twice per week, which is why you see an overflowing of trash in big cities. So where that boils down in economics of whose fault it is. Is it the government or the city, like whatever manager of waste? I don't know, but um, that's definitely, there's a, there's an economics lesson there to be learned. Did you have anyone in your group go to any other part of India after the trip? Yeah. So I had to get it back for work. So I flew home. Uh, however, there were like a handful of, people in my group who were flying down south to Goa. Oh, I love Goa. Okay, so from what I hear about Goa, it's the party city, it's the coastal city where you got to be a little bit careful or did you feel safe? What is it like? I had a pretty cool experience there. Um, Basically, I got there, got a taxi driver to take me to um, 
kind of more the like hipster village area of Goa. And there you could definitely tell you need to be a little careful because um, a lot of people actually did speak English because of all the tourists. And it seemed like they were pretty acclimated with tourist culture. But uh, you could also see that there were some people there looking to take advantage of that. But then um, actually me and my buddies got a cool villa and uh, we just stayed in a villa with a pool and people that were there to make us chais all day and yeah. feed us. And it was a blast. So you didn't cook your own cool. food. They cooked food for you. Oh, yeah. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, <laughs> snacks, chais. All of it. Yeah, it was fun. And then we had a pool and it was a good time. But then we also, you know, like explored the cities. We When we did that, we didn't carry a lot of cash with us. Maybe yeah. like two or three thousand rupees at the most, just in case, you know, something came up and left you know, passports at home, but we had a yeah. copy of our ID, like nice. a photocopy. So this is a part of tourism. Like I, I baffles my mind. I had clients go to Indonesia for like 600 bucks. They had a, like a week long stay at a villa and they had, um, chefs come in and like fillet fish there on the spot for them. Breakfast, lunch, wow, dinner, yeah. so personal cool. masseuse come in give them massages and a surfing lesson for the kids all for like 600 bucks for the week. Like, yeah. how do you comprehend that? We stayed in our villa for two nights, three days, and it was about 300 bucks. And then yeah. we all had our own like house basically. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, it was kind of dumb, honestly. Yeah. And, yeah, and Goa is just great because there's always fun stuff to do. You know, there's locals sure. on the street playing cards, and they'll let you play cards with them. Yeah. There's fun grocery stores where you can get more Americanized Western items. Yeah. So you can have a nice blend between the American side of things and the Indian side of things. One thing that I did that you can only do in Goa is go on a casino boat. Okay. So basically in India, you can't gamble on land, but there's nothing against gambling on water. So in Goa, there's casino boats. And, um, yeah, it's a good time. They have everything, you know, blackjack, roulette. It's, um, you can eat as much as you want, drink as much as you want. Yeah. That was a good night. That's all. <laughs> it sounds cool. Awesome have money, you... but. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever done henna? Yeah, I have here in the States and in oh, India. Okay. Yeah. It's oh, cool. cool. There were opportunities for henna. There were opportunities for fortune telling, like palm reading. I wasn't comfortable with that, but and every hold on. single person in my group was. Can we back up just for people, just in case they don't know, what is henna? What is henna? Henna is like a uh, natural coloring that people use to darken their skin. I think in Western culture, a lot of times it's called henna tattoos. Yeah. So it'll temporarily darken yeah. your skin in like an orangish brown tint. It's not permanent. No. Yeah. Um, some people use it in their hair. You know, older people oh, that nice. have, um, you know, lightning hair. They'll, it's uh, beautiful. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, my mom uses it I want to say... Hair. Before weddings, oftentimes the women will get it. Is that true? Yeah, definitely. I've okay. gotten it a few times too. It's fun. My biggest tip for India as we wrap up these standby items, just do everything. Don't say no to any opportunity. Just go for it. I would tell you it's going to be an experience that's going to create memories. There's going to be great pictures and you'll meet some very cool people. That's so cool. So if there's any extra opportunity and you think, ah, oh, it's a hundred bucks. Oh, it's 200 bucks. Do I really want to spend that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the answer is yes. Just go for it. Do that's the cool, do the casino boat trip and go, uh, do the rooftop Bollywood dance lesson in Jaipur. Do it. 
Gaurav, thanks so much for being here and joining us on the Travel Agents Podcast. Yeah, I brought some uh, great memories back. Makes me want to go back to <laughs> India pretty soon. Yeah, I want to book a trip right now. I'm ready to go. Yeah. And we all want to eat some Indian food right now. Yeah. Dude, I'm so hungry right now after talking about Indian food. Ooh, go to India. <laughs> thanks for listening. That's the end of our show. You know, one thing that makes this podcast unique from other travel podcasts is that we're actually travel agents and we work for a travel agency. My great-grandfather started a travel agency over 100 years ago, and we have the pleasure of working there now as travel agents. The travel agency is called Kima Travel. You can find us online at www.kima.travel. Kima spelled C-H-I-M-A. And the best part is that when you support Kima Travel by letting us book your trips, you're also supporting this podcast. So you get our great service as travel agents and you're supporting your favorite travel podcast. Absolutely. And if you're not interested in booking a trip right now, but you want to support the show, you can find us at buymeacoffee.com. And you can find our particular page in the description below. We are at buymeacoffee.com slash the travel agents. We're the travel agents. That's the end of our show. Make sure to comment and subscribe before.